In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, how to overcome imposter syndrome. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we'll be exploring how to overcome imposter syndrome. Joining me today to help answer this question is Micah Hoffman, certified SANS instructor. Micah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you tonight? I am fantastic, especially now that I'm I'm talking to you about um, imposter syndrome because you had a great talk. You you did it this past year at let's see, B sides Charm was it B sides Nova and B sides DC? Yeah, I yeah. did the uh, the local trifecta. Nice, nice, and it's it's a it was a, it's a really good talk um, about Thanks. imposter syndrome. Thanks. I I think uh, I. I I like doing besides Nova Charm and DC, and um, as it allows me to evolve the talks that I give, um, making them better and and really tailoring them to the the different audiences. So uh, the the recorded version that was at besides DC that's on YouTube is uh, something I'm pretty proud of. So, what is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome, as I mentioned in, in the talk, is not really a, a syndrome, a psychological syndrome, like you might think uh, is a psychological disorder. Um, but what it actually is, is, a, is a, a gathering of feelings and emotions that you have that uh, produce anxiety, depression, or other types of real psychological disorders. Um, it usually manifests itself in a fear, in a sense of anxiety, um, a sense of, sense of I'm not worthy, I'm a fraud, what the heck am I doing in this room, in this conversation, or or doing this work, you know, when all these other people around me or that I know could do it better. Um, so, the feelings of inadequacy are, are really a hallmark of imposter feelings. And, and what made you want to do uh, this as a talk? Uh, so it was one of those physician heal thyself type of uh, deals where uh, for the longest time I had been feeling um, inadequate, even though I've been in information security for a long time and I know a bunch of things and I mentor people and so outwardly, if when everybody else looked at me, Micah Hoffman, they were seeing a senior information security person. They were seeing, you know, a SANS instructor and all of these, these really cool accomplishments. But, but from my perspective inside, I was seeing somebody that didn't know how to do a whole bunch of things. It didn't, you know, didn't understand how uh, some of the things my peers and colleagues and people that I looked up to um, know how to do. And so I was feeling very inadequate. Um, so I, I uh, figured out along the way. So as I mentioned in the in the talk that around 2012, I went to DerbyCon and and uh, I I felt that was kind of the low point for myself as far as imposter feelings. And then um, I started to come out of it, and I started to understand that you know this is something that I can work with, something that I can deal with. And, um, it's, uh, you know, I'm making progress is what I can say. So, I mean, is that kind of the first step then to co overcoming imposter syndrome is just identifying it, knowing it's there? I think so. 
I really do. Uh, uh, since the, the talks were recorded and, and published out there, and I've since made a blog post and done some other things to, to publicize this because I, I want people to, to take a second to, to just watch the talk because you might be able to recognize the behaviors in, in other people, people that you work with or, or family members um, or in yourself as well. Once you recognize those feelings or the, once you recognize the, the, uh, I guess the outcomes of those feelings, then you can start working on that stuff and, and rethinking how you process information. And to me, that sounds a lot like, um, mentoring. And this is something I've tried to do a little bit more like this year is, you know, just, just giving people props or telling them that, you know, what they're doing is, is, is really awesome. Because uh, I feel like sometimes, and even talking to other people, it's like if I don't get feedback from like my boss, for example, it's like I don't. I, I've had those feelings like this year. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I focusing on the right things? Um, and I've talked to other people who feel, yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like that the same way. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Um, and and one, you bring up a, a great point that that imposter feelings are not this all or nothing thing. It's not where uh, one day you're you're happy go lucky, and the next day, boom, you're feeling like a fraud, an imposter, or whatever. Um, it, it's usually the, a continuum of of feelings from from mild to severe to to debilitating. And so some people get them just. Hey, I'm in a new situation. I feel like I'm I'm the only person in the room. I don't know what I'm doing, um, and they feel inadequate until they they hear something from you or somebody else that says, "Hey, you're in the right place." You know, everybody feels the way you're feeling at first. It's okay, um, but one of the things that is a hallmark for people that are really experiencing imposter feelings uh, strongly is that you can do the mentoring can say all the encouraging content I, I want to them. But if they can't internalize that, say, wow, you know, you're right. I actually did, um, you know, blow that report out of the water. Or I really did, you know, really shine when I gave that presentation. Then it doesn't matter. So, so that actually leads right into my next question, which is why do people get imposter syndrome? You know, I don't know why. Um, I'm not an expert on this at all. I'm a uh, person that that works with it. Um, there have been studies over the years that evolved, and uh, they have shown that there are certain situations where people are more likely to have imposter feelings, uh, such as starting new tasks, uh, joining a new group of people where you don't know people and don't know their skills. Um, there's other situations like uh, when you are with somebody that is more senior than yourself and, and has more skills, and you're, when comparing yourself to other people, you feel inadequate. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what causes those feelings, but it's, there are definitely situations that, are, that bring it out more. So and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how I should phrase this here, but... There's, you know, I, I feel like sometimes imposter syndrome, at least in, in my experience, I felt like it was a driving factor for me. You know, it's like it, it, and you talk about this in your talk where you talk about perfecting and, and making sure the slides, like, I feel like some of imposter syndrome can be healthy. 
Yeah, uh, it absolutely. I, I was talking to somebody, and uh, she said she uses it, and she uses those those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of, you know, I really got to make sure that this this presentation is perfect, or my delivery to my customer, or my conversation to my boss. I really got to make sure that it's uh, it's perfect. She finds it energizing and motivating. The challenge is, is that once the task or the report or whatever is completed, how do you feel then? If you're feeling empty, you know, demotivated, depressed, anxious, then, you know, that those are kind of more the hallmark feelings of, of somebody with imposter feelings is that, you know, I do do great job on some things. And then at the end, when somebody says, wow, that was a terrific whatever, I kind of slough it off. I kind of say, well, you know, it wasn't me. I mean, it wasn't, it was just it, it was, uh, you know, the, the software, the images that I used. It, it wasn't me that, that, that got that, the, uh, the kudos. And so I don't internalize that feedback. So how much of a fine line is, it th- is that between that and, you know, staying humble? So I think that, that, that humbleness, you are able to internalize that you did a good job. And you are able to feel good about yourself and the work that you did. Um, whereas with imposter feelings, that piece is kind of lacking. All right. So, so what are some of the steps? I and mean, we've talked about, you know, mentoring being a big part of it, but for people themselves, we've, we, you have, you have identified that imposter syndrome is something that you deal with. What are some of the things that people can do to kind of over, overcome it so they don't go too dark and, and enter like a depressed state. Well, and that's, that's a challenge right there because some people, they don't recognize that they can change their perceptions, that they can change how they interpret events, uh, to make themselves more open to receiving the compliments or to, to taking that good job at a boy, at a girl, um, and taking that to heart. So if they've gotten past the point where, just cognitive re- rethinking of ideas uh, helps them understand what's happening, then they may need some professional help. Um, but for those that are more on the border or haven't really gone, haven't, aren't getting imposter feelings at the, with a severe and debilitating levels, uh, there's a lot of things that you can do with, with uh, reinterpreting how people talk to you, how you work with them, um, in the talk, I talk about uh, doing things uh, like practicing accepting compliments. You know, when somebody says, hey, you know, that report was really good. Uh, one of the things that I've started doing is asking for uh, details. Uh, well, so what did you like about that report so that I can do that again? Uh, taking something that's general, like yeah, good job, and making it more specific to exactly what made it a good job, that turns praise into encouragement and helps me understand what I did. So, yeah, that, that, what I like about that is that you're talking about, like, you're, you're I, I keep thinking about the growth mindset, and that's something that I've really tried to to use my day-to-day. It's like, okay, so where can I improve? Where can I get better? Especially when I fail and stuff. So I like that idea of, when someone gives you a compliment asking for detail, so you're kind of feeding your imposter syndrome at the same time, as well as like accepting the praise. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, um, so, so you accept the, the good job, but, 
but the the nourishing part of that compliment or that nourishing part of that feedback is is you know exactly what you did um, or what you can do again next time to make sure that you know the outcome is is similar. So yeah, it it turns praise to encouragement when you ask for details. One of the other things I, I liked in your talk was you talked about self-speak. And I think this is absolutely a big one for people. And, you know, getting it out of your head, some of those negative thoughts and being more more positive about yourself just in general. Oh, yeah. I, I am, I'm one of those people that who's who's has that self-talk all the time. Um, I can't shut it off. And it it is sometimes extremely motivating and sometimes I can get into a negative self-talk loop where, uh, you know, my mind starts putting me down or what's more likely to happen is I'll have some deadline and my brain starts thinking, Hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool to play with the newest thing that just came out? Oh, look, it's shiny. You want to play with this instead of working on that, that stuff. And then I have this internal battle of, no, I know you're trying to distract me. I need to focus on this, but well, maybe I'll just do it a little bit. And then I distract myself and all. So I think the, the lesson there for me is, is self-talk is self-talk how you interpret it and what you do with it once you realize it's happening is is really the determining factor as to how uh, helpful or how unhelpful it is yeah i i yeah i, you, I can't you find the I, same thing yeah I, 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 I couldn't agree more is that like you said it's it's just um, one of the things that I think really helped me, especially my younger age was, um, and I'm going to try to keep this cause I, I don't know if people listen with kids in the car, but, um, one of the things when my friends told me, and he just exudes confidence and, you know, he's, he's like an, a type of personality. And he told me one time, he's like, yeah, I wake up in the morning and I look at myself and I go, I am a sexy B like, and, and. I was like, that is just one so simple. But then, you know, you try it and like, you just feel better about yourself. And yeah. like, it's, and, and, and there have been the opposites where it's just, you're just beating yourself up over, over something, something stupid. Um, I just had this the other day last week where I spent three hours banging my head. Well, not really banging my head, but I was going about uh, a, a, a way a, a new process that we put in place. And I was uh, pretty much tuning this new application and uh, it took us three hours to do it. And then at, like right at the end of it, I was like, oh, I could have done this a different way for like an hour. And so I was just beating myself up for like wasting people's time and all this and that. And then I had to like reel myself back in and go, OK, well, I learned this about doing it this way. And this is absolutely going to be a hard lesson learned. And, you know, the next time the same situation comes up, I can do it this way to actually make it so we're not wasting hours of our time. Yeah, it, it's it's that constant learning and and really that feedback loop inside your brain that either you know helps out or doesn't. You could have just as easy continued to to bash yourself for being stupid and for for not figuring this out sooner and and wasting everybody's time, but you chose the higher road to try to find the 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 good in that. And and you know that that happens every day with something. Um, and I think one of the things that that's helped me is uh, something I talk about in the talk, and it's it's tracking my accomplishments. But 
not just accomplishments, but just progress. Like you progressed there. You, you tried something, you did it one way, you figured you could do another way. You learned some stuff. And now that's a new place where you're starting at. And next time the problem comes up, you'll know better. So you're learning and growing and you probably shared that with other people too, because you're you and, and you are a teacher and you are somebody that shares information. So, um, you not only probably made it better for you, but for your whole team. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So what resources are available for learning more about imposter syndrome? So there's a couple of things that I would recommend right off the bat. First off, Dr. Clance, um, has, uh, she is one of the, the, uh, people that one of the original psychologists in the 1970s that worked on discovering imposter feelings. And she has a website. If you Google Dr. Clance, um, actually, if you go to my website at, uh, webbreacher.com, I have a pinned post that has a variety of, um, either online tests, research papers, uh, places you can go to learn more about imposter feelings. I have linked to my talk there as well, uh, link, link to other people's talks that, that can help out as well. So I, I would actually say that the one-stop shop for this would be my page and then branch out from there. Cool. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed? Um, I, I think the the main thing about imposter feelings uh, if we if we're talking about that still, the is that um, it's for some of us a lifelong journey. This is not something that you're mm-hmm. going to necessarily cure. It's it's a constant mentaling, mentaling, a mental restructuring of how we process information and and how we think about ourselves. So it's a it's a constant struggle. One other thing I learned though is uh, I had a a young lady come up to me and she said, you know, I am immune to imposter feelings. I said, said, wait a second, what do you mean you're immune to it? She says, I don't care if I fail. I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care um, about not living up to expectations. I do my best all the time. I do it very well if I fail. So I what? I learned. But I I just, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I thought that was kind of neat. So, you know, not everybody in the world experiences imposter feelings. There's some some uh, data out there that suggests about 70% of people experience some level of it at one point, one or more points of their life. Um, but there are some people out there that imposter feelings isn't anything to them. And they just see feedback. They see motivation. They see learning opportunities. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I feel like I have less imposter syndrome now than uh, when I you know, especially earlier in my career. And I, actually, that's something to, to to touch on, too, is that you you talked about it, it. You had a graph where actually when you get higher or more senior within your field, you you feel like you have more imposter syndrome. Yeah, the Dunning-Kruger effect, effect is what you're talking about there. And and it, it's uh, on the x-axis, it's it's kind of uh, knowledge or wisdom within a, a domain. And then on the y-axis is uh, your, your perceived self-rating of your abilities there, your self-confidence in your abilities to do things. And um, in the beginning, because people new to a position, new to a role, they know very little of it. Once they master those few things, 
they feel amazing. They feel like, mm-hmm. like they know it all. Um, and as I mentioned in the talk, I can't tell you the number of, of junior pen testers who popped their first shell or, or, uh, you know, did something that was you know kind of neat and they felt like they could do anything and they let me know it. And then when I explained to them that there's a whole wide variety of other things, uh, within pen testing, within InfoSec that they didn't know, they went from that in the graph, it shows the peak of Mount stupid, and they fall down into the uh, the valley of despair, which is kind of a wow! I didn't realize there was so much out there, and oh my gosh, I don't know as much as I thought I did. It's it's kind of like a bubble bursting, mm-hmm. and then slowly, like you just said that you do, you now you gain confidence in your abilities, you gain confidence in who you are and what you can deliver, and over time, you know your confidence in what you can do and your actual skill levels uh, coincide and are more accurate together. Okay. So what would you like to plug? Ah, plug. I would love to plug my new open source intelligence course. That's coming out in 2018. It is, uh, I wrote, I'm writing a course now. I'm just putting the final touches on it. It's going to be an amazing six day course for the SANS Institute. Uh, It's not yet on the SANS website, but it will be in probably about a month or so. And it will run uh, about three or four times next year, and it's called uh, uh, SEC or Security 487. It's about open source intelligence, gathering, uh, doing research on businesses, uh, people, and it's a hands-on type of class that's going to be really fun. And where is this going to be like an in-person? Is this going to be in D.C.? Yeah, so right now, uh, the way that SANS handles new courses is they schedule a couple of beta tests. Uh, The first beta for this, uh, all of the the classes will be in person uh, for for 2018. Uh, The first beta test should be around February or so in the D.C. area. We'll have a a small group of people that will get to test out the class, and then we'll move out to the West Coast in probably May or June and uh, give some people out there opportunity to give some feedback, to, to take the class and learn some stuff. And then we come back to Baltimore here in September and uh, go kind of live with the public version of it. And then I think it also is going to play in Vegas. So we kind of go East coast, West coast, East coast, West coast for the class throughout the year. Um, but in probably mid to late January, it'll be on the SANS website. And my blog, webreacher.com, and my Twitter account, webreacher, will have a lot more information promoting that class in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Awesome. And you're webreacher on Twitter. That's right. That's right. Cool. Got to get you some Twitter followers, man. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Thank you. So thank you for joining me to discuss how to overcome imposter syndrome. Hey, I appreciate you having me here. It's always a pleasure. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.
So one thing I got to say right now is, uh, and I'm going through a little imposter syndrome myself is, gosh, this, this interview, like I could have been better, you know? <laughs> right. Right. It's and I'm just... thinking to myself, I'm like, crap, I, I think I stuttered too much on this. <laughs> <laughs> like, did I say um too much? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, and I, yeah, I, I, you, know, I, you know, being a, being a speaker and I'm sure it's even uh, worse being a trainer. Um, cause you just pick up every, Oh, I shouldn't have said that or yeah. I stuttered here or, you know, but it like most people don't even notice that. And, and, but I do that like almost every episode and I, I became notorious, um, on some of my other podcasts, uh, when I used to do baseball podcasts and after every, every episode, I'd be like, gosh, that just, that just sucked. And, <laughs> and then like, I'd go back and listen to it. I was like, okay, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I, and I steal, st- steal, see, steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, still deal with that like on almost an episode basis like there have been very like there are the ones that it's like i nailed this you know it's like i i this one was really awesome but then there you know most of them it's like gosh i could have done this and you know my 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 mind wasn't there and it's just it's no one's gonna want to listen to this yeah yeah i feel the same way and, and i feel it about the um uh about a lot of the stuff that i do the the talks like you know, I'll, I'll watch some of those talks. Like you pulled up, uh, I think the B sides Nova talk, mm-hmm. and dude, in that one, I I felt like I had the right material, but when I tried to present it, I still kick myself about the 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 Edison or no the yeah the Edison damn it the Einstein or Edison I think it was Edison quote in there or whatever I just couldn't come up with it, and one of my buddies in the front row is like, oh, that was. Edison that said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Damn it. That part. Yeah. And but it no one noticed. I didn't even think about that. See, but yeah. I was thinking about it afterwards. And um, so my talk, I actually do give the talks. I try to give the talk several times throughout the year to evolve it. And right. the most recent one is generally the best. So the B-Sides DC one um, in, in October was really, I feel like I was comfortable. I understood the material. And uh, I think it was a really good presentation. Yeah, no, and I, I've had the same thing with my talks where it's like I have my favorite one that I did at this conference. Yeah, and even like like this last year, I had a I did the um, how to kickstart your application security program, and I killed it at like B sides Detroit or maybe it was Converge. It was Converge, and then um, but then I did one uh, several weeks later at Show Me Con in St. Louis, and I didn't like that version as much as I liked the the one in one in May. Mm-hmm. Or the one at uh, Detroit. So, yeah, that and there's even yeah, that, ones where I, I did one talk where I was like, I'm never doing this again. This was just garbage. <laughs> well, and the hard part is, is that you do a talk and you think that it's garbage or you think it's crap. And then you do another one and it's like awesome sauce. Mm-hmm. And the pe- one people remember or look at is the one that you think is just crap. <laughs> so so when you said hey i saw your imposter syndrome talk and i was like oh really cool and you provided the link and you retweeted i'm like no <laughs> you did you messaged me it's like hey i like this one a lot. yeah like, i'll put that one in the show notes the one from please, dc please do the, the, the audio quality was just better too <laughs> yeah well and also it was a uh, it was 37 minutes it was like it was supposed to be a 50 minute talk or whatever, but, um, the besides Nova one was kind of rushed too. it, it was only gotcha. supposed to be a 20 minute talk. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's something I deal with on a regular basis. It's like, I practice practice, uh, because essentially when I'm in the talk, even though I am kicking myself for it, everything's still in pilot mode. I know what the next slide is coming up. I know yep. what I'm going to be saying. Um, but, uh, it, it, I always end up early. 
So I've, I've started trying to account for that. Yeah, I try to do that too. I, I gave a talk recently and I had 76 slides. Uh, actually, I think it was the imposter syndrome talk. It's like 76, 70, wow. It's like 76 slides and I still killed it in 37 minutes. Yeah. But I've started doing the 20, uh, you know, there's a technique where you use 20 words or less on the slide. Um, that way it keeps the content big. It keeps the focus on you while you're talking instead of on reading your slides. So 76 yeah, yeah. slides where each one's a concept, each one's a thought. Yeah, you can go through them faster. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I had I had the, I, I try to do I try to do like like that. Like I don't like putting bullet points and a lot of words on it. I usually like to use pictures and stuff yeah. if I can. And but yeah, I do like to uh, keep things moving. Yep. Me too, because I, I I empathize with the with the audience. You know, um, if it's not moving, if uh, it's it's just a waste of time. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah? 